to trust a, a brand associated with your finances or your identity or the services around fintech you need to know that, that business is there and it's going to show up and it's not there one day gone the next the first step is be seen and be consistent be visible to start to actually become a brand because when people associate a service or a product or a solution with a brand we're so conditioned to then assuming that brand is supported by a set of values that you can rely on show that you're committed to creating a brand and a business that stands for something hello and welcome back to purpose driven feedback podcast i am your host moni millares thanks to every single one of you that comes back every week to listen learn and get inspired we cannot talk about money without talking about trust So today, my guest is Kimberly Waldron. She's the founder at Sky Partner, and we talk about trust. We start with defining what is trust? How do we build trust in fintech, the role of PR in trust, the downsides of not building trust? And in this hyper-social world, the good and the bad of building a personal brand. As usual, if you enjoyed the episode, it could mean the world. If you subscribe, give it a follow so that we can have more impact. Hello, Kimberly. Thank you so much for your time and welcome to the show. Yeah, great. Thanks for having me. It's a nice privilege and a great way to start the week. Thank you. The pleasure is mine because we are going to cover such an important topic today for the whole industry that is trust. So mm-hmm. a big topic that we cannot even deconstructing one hour, but we'll do our best to get into the key parts of what trust is and how do we build it. But before we go into that, this podcast is about how can we build purpose-driven fintechs and have more impact in society. So in your opinion, like you're an expert in the industry, you have an amazing career. In your opinion, what is it that we can do as fintechs to have more purpose and impact? I think, start me starting with the big question, That for me personally, trust has never been blind faith in my personal life or in my business life. Apply that to the way I treat the brands or or the individuals and the the spokespeople within clients that we serve. So I think trust is about build trust. You need to have a strong reason, a strong value, and then you need to be seen to be acting on things that help you get closer to delivering that or to be acting in a way that delivers to the, the either the purpose that you set out or the objectives that you set out to achieve. And that slowly builds trust and credibility in your brand, your solution, your service and your people. In terms of how we can do that more specifically now in fintech and financial services, um, I think now's the time to stop living in an echo chamber. And I don't want this to be a call to arms, but we've had it good. We've had it good. It's been an industry that talent investment was willing to invest time, effort, and and really take a chance on, if we're honest. And I think that that incubation period of the industry as a whole has started to come to an end, perhaps quite rightly. And I think in terms of building trust and, and demonstrating purpose, the focus now needs to be on how do we get more solutions into the hands of end users, whether that is B2B end users or whether that's B2C. And I think we've lived in somewhat of an echo chamber. It's, it's been necessary. It's been a hotbed of innovation. There's been test and learn. There's been change in regulation, which of course there always will be. 
but I think as a relatively new industry over the last 10 years, fintech has, has been able to do that. I think now it's time to have more great use cases, show more traction and whether that purpose be on a grand scale and maybe it's a huge, you know, contribution to climate control or, or whether it's just a, a commitment to deliver improved payment solutions or accessibility, whatever, how grand or however small, maybe the purpose seems it's time to deliver on that. We've done a lot of talking, she says, without taking a breath. I love that because then you're talking about basically, hey, yeah, the industry relatively new, 10 years, now time to show traction. But I think, yeah, some would argue that financial technology or the long form of fintech has been around as long as the banks have, and it has to some extent. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think the real brand of fintech, as we've called it, a good 10 years has been our heyday. So I think, yeah, now's the time to just start to deliver to that. I'm not saying there shouldn't be continued support and room to grow and test and learn and uh, innovate. But I think, yeah, now it would be great to see some of those positive stories for the bigger and some of the flagship brands that we all associate with fintech and also some the smaller, more niche brands coming through as well. Definitely. And before we go more into the conversation, can you tell us a little bit about you, Sky Parlor, and what's your purpose and role in the industry? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Thank you. So Sky Parlor is a specialist PR, public relations and communications agency. We've been working in the fintech space since 2009, so started at a very interesting, another very interesting time. Uh, it was founded by myself and my business partner, Angela Yor, and we're now a team of close to 25 with, with clients across the globe. We have people over in the US and a, a team here in Manchester, and obviously also we have people in London as well. And our, we did start with a very strong vision. Most of our clients in the early days were payments and Payments remains or payments related businesses remains the poster child of fintech, I would say, but uh, payments clients, um, fraud prevention clients and that, and that remains today, but we've diversified across wealth tech, reg tech, some insurance and, oh, and also, um, we do a lot of work around cybersecurity, but our purpose when, when we started both Angela and I coming from in-house within the, the payments fintech or fraud space was to provide a better form of communication for businesses in the space. It was as plain and simple as that. It's definitely an interesting one to navigate from the regulatory sensitivities to all the acronyms we all use day in, day out. The relationships between the banks, the inquiries, the pay- payments providers, the regulators, it was a tricky one to navigate. And we wanted to provide a service that helped make that clearer and, and helped bring the value of improved financial services to a new audience. That was the purpose. And I think we've done that. Yeah, that's amazing. And now that you have, it's been over 10 years since you started. What's your view on what is the role of a company like yours in the industry? What's the role of PR? Yeah. You know, it's building pact and purpose. I think it's, if I want to try to sum it up, in the marketing spiel, it is, it is to build trust across multiple audiences. 
especially uh, across all tech, but particularly in finance and financial tech, you're speaking to a different audience, multiple audiences at the same time often. So whether it's talent, it's partners, obviously partnerships are huge when it comes to getting tech to the market, channel partners, investment, a huge important audience, whether you're a startup or you're a scale up or even a scale out invest the investment community, whether that's VC, angels, PE, IPO, that the markets, it's an important audience and talent at every stage and customers, of course. So I think for a PR agency, the, the greatest thing you can do is to build credibility. There's obviously lots of ways to do that. We're also there to provide that external advice. We all know when you're in a, internal business, you drink the Kool-Aid as to use an overly used phrase, and that's not a bad thing. That's what you do. You're, when you're within an organization, you become that ambassador for your own tech and your own vision. So working with a third-party agency that knows the space, our job is often to sense check, talk about that might be great news for you, but is that news for the industry and be that barometer. But primarily it's to build trust and build value into to what the businesses we work with are doing. Awesome. And then basically your, your job is to build trust. <laughs> and it's like finding the elixir of life. Like when you ask the fintech, whether founder or CEO, product director, it's like, how did you build products and experiences that customers really like? Trust has to be part of that, that response. It's, it has to be part of the thinking. So before we deconstruct this even further, what is your definition of trust? I think it's a belief in the ability of another party to do what they say they'll do. I guess it's the belief in the ability and the commitment and the character of an organization or an individual to do what they say they'll do. I think for me, that's as simply as mm. I could describe it. And if you, you could debate it forever, but I think for some people, trust is the same as faith you have it or you don't for me i can't trust without seeing the evidence that organization or that person is trustworthy i guess in a in your personal life you, you trust your parents or you trust your friends or your partner maybe you do blindly or with faith but for me true trust is yeah the your belief in the ability and the commitment of a part of third party organization to carry out what they say they'll do. And then that grows when you see the evidence and continued evidence. Yeah, but I hadn't really thought about the, like a definition as such. So it's like really good to start there. Because then if I, let's say if I'm a customer, just like all of us, right? Like, how does this definition, how do you gain my trust as a customer if you are a financial services institution? I think it's, it's through multiple means in multiple situations you can't build trust overnight I think if you're it's hard to think of financial services and fintech without thinking immediately of the difference between the established brands and the newcomers so immediately my brain goes to the likes of Lloyd's and their famous journey ads and then thinking about some financial services of fintechs that have broken through and then some that are still trying to build trust. But I think the first step is 
be seen and be consistent, be visible. So you have to start to be visible, consistently there in multiple touch points to start to actually become a brand. Because when people associate a service or a product or a solution with a brand, we're so conditioned to then assuming that brand is supported by a set of values that you can rely on. We all know what to expect. We're so trained in the consumer environment that you can, you should trust. And we're all, we know of instances when you're let down then by that trust. And, but we all have come to expect a set of values associated with a brand. So to begin with it is to show that you're committed to creating a brand and a business that stands for something. You show up, you're in the right places and you're consistent. For me, that's the first step, and especially when it comes to financial services, because to trust a brand associated with your finances or your identity or the services around fintech, you need to know that, that business is there and it's going to show up and it's not there one day, gone the next. So first of all, it's being present would be, I would say, the first yep. step. I don't know if I can then continue. If you like, if, yes, um, I'm going to be the second step because I'm like, yeah, that's the first step. And <laughs> yeah, be, be there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And then I think it's, it, it is about stating, not to go back to my own definition to fulfill my own profit definition of what trust is, but I think then it is about showing that you've got purpose and that you're taking the steps to deliver to that purpose. And that's not, the, the purpose is not good enough anymore to be, to make money for investors or to make money for shareholders. I think that's when it comes back to the, pur the purpose of this, the, the topic of this overall of this podcast episode is you have to have a purpose in the world now it's not good enough to say this is my fintech and my purpose i don't think it was that long ago when the purpose was quite you could literally say i want this investment i want to cash out i'm going to sell it to a bank and i'm off i think there was a time when that could be inferred and it was okay i think now the realization of how important access to financial services in the is to the recovery of the economy, to the growth in emerging markets, to financial inclusion um, and equality globally and true globalization. And it is so we've all become acutely aware of that. Uh, and I think now as a business in the space, you have to be willing and prepared to talk about where you sit. Also, to be realistic, if, if you're coming out and saying, we're going to change this, we're going to eliminate global warming, it's, it's not possible. So I think it's now it's about having, be, having a purpose, being clear about what that is, being willing to share it where your brand is exposed. So maybe that's a trade show, maybe it's on stage, maybe it's in a podcast, or maybe it's through your own channels, your online literature and your, the way that your staff communicate through LinkedIn or other channels or the social forums. I think it's then demonstrating that you live by that purpose. I always love, and it's a really, it's an old one, but the NASA attitude, I think it was the, the famous story of the janitor at the Houston space station, not space station, the, the, what's it? I don't know what you would call it. The Houston space department, I'm going to call it. And John base. The Houston base. Uh, John uh, F. Kennedy was talking to all the different staff and he asked one of the one of the janitors oh hi sir what's your role here and he said well it's to put a man on the moon so that that everybody is working towards that shared purpose so yeah purpose and then communicating that at every touch point 
And that's where internal comms is also important as well, because now um, we all know the age of open communication and uh, digitization is everybody in the business really is an ambassador of that brand. So yeah, um, be visible, show that you're committed to building a brand and something that's going to be around. Have a strong but realistic purpose that actually relates back to your product and your service and then uh, talk about that. Be willing to talk about it. We're still, we still have and often come up against situations with clients where that adage of B2B PR is about communicating that you're faster, cheaper, more resilient, all of those things. That, and that's, it's not gone. Those things are still important to customers, clients, partners. But I think now there is much more emphasis on aligning values and understanding your place in the world and being willing to talk about that. But that you touched on B2B because I have that question in my mind. If I'm a fintech, do I change my approach of whether my customer is a consumer and it's a B2C or if I'm trying to sell like this big software and to another fintech? Do you think will it, something would change? Um, yes. I, I think there's been in recent years consumerization of b2b communication as well i think expectation and that's in terms mm. of the way we communicate and in terms of the way that products are delivered also i think the on the one hand innovation tends to happen in a b2b environment first and then gets almost test tested and then goes into the consumer market and, and consumers benefit a lot from the behind the scenes innovation in b2b but on the other hand, the B2B environment has learned a lot from the user, the focus on that user experience and I guess the way that we communicate to consumers. So there's definitely been, we're a primarily B2B agency and we've seen the, what I can only describe as a consumerization of B2B comms. As I said, it used to be product sheets and case studies and now it's value alignment and do you believe in what we believe and are we working towards the same goals do our brands there's still an element of this needs to work commercially and it has to work technically as well yeah but definitely we say to all of our clients even the b2b ones it's very rare where there's not a b2b to c message anyway uh, if we're talking to a customer that provides technology only to retailers, but that retailer is usually selling onto a consumer or a very small business, yes, can't ignore that message either. Definitely, yes, because it's not purely B two B. Today, yeah. most of companies it's B two B to C because yeah, for well, sure. that's how the ecosystem works. Yeah. So just to build on that. I don't think that we as a community of fintechers talk much about how to build trust. So to ignite that conversation, what are the downsides of not building that trust or even not having the conversations on how to build trust? I think to answer the second part first, I think if we're not it can be easy to gloss over it, can't it? Everybody writes trust. Every time we go into a workshop with yeah. a business, in every single one without fail, we ask a client or a potential client to write down all the things that they want their brand to be associated with or want their brand to be 
I trust without fail in every single one. I can't even remember one where it wouldn't have been. So everybody uses it, but we use it almost so much that as you're suggesting quite rightly, we forget to remember what that means and how to really build it. So I think the conversation, the second part of your question, how important is it to have trust in the conversation to discuss it and also analyze it a little bit. Don't just give it lip service. Are we really being used because Mm -hmm. our customers trust us or are we just the cheapest? Because trust means longevity. And let's be honest, if you want to build a business with purpose, you want a business with purpose that people are going to stay with, you're then going to be able to deliver to that purpose. But at the same time, if you've got clients that are customers that trust you and stay with you, you're then going to be able to sell more products to them. You're then going to go on a journey together. You're going to, and everybody benefits through that relationship of trust. Otherwise it becomes really transactional. Just perhaps the wrong word to use because most of the business, most business in fintech is a transaction, of course, but in the sense of you're not building anything, (laughs) you're not building anything. It's a, who should, there's a lot of solutions now relating to payments or credit that are at point of sale more than ever. So if you don't have a preference in that brand, you're going to just use whichever you feel like at that moment or whichever suits your need or whichever seems the cheapest or whatever's first on the list. Whereas if you do have that trust with the brand, you will choose them. And people are usually willing to pay a little bit more. They're willing to tolerate a little bit more if they trust the brand. Then you can build on mm. it. So I think it's... If we're talking about a purpose-driven world, we all have to be on that journey together from the from the tech developers to the regulators to uh, the, the big banks and financial institutions and to the small businesses and end users. We all have to be on that journey together and you can't do that without trust. I know I sound like a PR person now, but it's perfect because like you say, it's a journey. And I yeah. think you just touched a word that we all love, that it's the regulator. So <laughs> what is the role? of the regulatory in building trust. They have a huge role in my opinion. Yeah, I've always been, I've never been of the school of the regulators because to me, I have always taken it quite seriously that we're an industry that's at the intersection of ultimate trust between a brand, a service, an organization and its users and customers because we're at the point where they say, okay, go on then, here's my money. I like the service. I like the marketing. I like yes. your product positioning. I like your people. I will give you fine, hard earned cash. So that's where fintech sits. And I think the regulators, their primary and only objective is to ensure that that money that's handed over, essentially that value is treated fairly and is protected. And I think sometimes we forget that's the role because we're all, we've been so much about innovation and growth and investment and pushing the envelope and pushing boundaries. And we've been so desperate to see innovation get to market that we've almost overlooked at times. There's a, I work with a lot of startups. That's been my focus for the last two years and I love it. I'm hugely passionate about it. I love working with the founders. But I think sometimes even now you get a great product, you get a great team, you've done your deck you're ready to go you've got maybe in a small seed round or pre-seed round and still the regulatory conversation hasn't been had 
you haven't engaged the regulator yet. Oh. I think there's still that, that kind of thing is, is taking place. So I, I do believe, contrary to some people's beliefs, that the regulator is there to protect us all. And it's there to err on the side. They're there to err on the mm-hmm. side of caution. And they're there to guide new technology and new organizations and new ways of doing things through quite a complex and potentially vulnerable landscape if we're all transacting online. I think they could potentially have a better brand themselves because I'm not sure the regulator, maybe just speaking for the UK, their their brand is perhaps not seen as collaborative and engaging, but maybe there's a little bit of work to be done on that. But I think their role is there to stamp of approval if it's regulated it's achieved a level of trust from those who know what that means yes and i think i agree with you i'm of the i'm of the camp of saying the regulator is very important and it helps protect customers basically because you used a phrase that i love saying it's we're giving our very hard earned money or hard earned savings to someone like it's nerve-wracking like investments it's the first you know, product that comes to mind, you're like, oh, I've been saving, but then I'm going to put this into investments. The first line that you say is, your money will may go up and down. You should put it under your own risk. And you're like, yeah. oh, I may lose my money. Yeah. If it was, there's two, two other points to add to that for me is whenever you talk about not brand trust, but tr- uh, I guess trust or I don't know if we've all changed our viewpoint since obviously the Wirecard scandal and subsequent things where you just assume if something's been regulated and it's happening that you can trust, I suppose. But then, you know, there's obviously in every industry, there's nefarious characters or operators or bad actors that will, you know, act in their own best interest. But there's there's something that gets forgotten largely around fintech. And I'm not just talking about payments. I know you mentioned when you're going to invest. But I think in the UK, specifically in the UK market, we see financial services almost as uh, a utility or something that we're owed or should be free. Obviously, we don't pay for we don't pay for banking unless we choose to pick a package that we do, and we think we don't pay for payment, but we do pay for payments, and the merchant pays for payments, and quite rightly because mainly people using the services don't understand the infrastructure behind it. You don't understand what takes place. I was in a a black cab in London last week and I didn't want to be that person that works in fintech, but there was a sign saying, I prefer cash because I don't get the full amount. And I thought, where is that image in financial services come from, even from small businesses or independent traders that you shouldn't have to pay for, to be able to have a terminal, to take electronic payments that go off over the internet, back that you're verified, mm. that payments then taken, then passed on to your bank account. It's a funny view. And I think if we saw financial services as a, a service like that, or payments as a service like that, you become more invested in the brand if you think you're paying for it. Whereas I think in terms of growing trust or brand equity, it's a funny it's a, it's a different situation because we see it as a utility, almost like you should, I should get that. That should be free. That should be happening. That should be safe. Whereas if I think there was a more understanding in small businesses or in, uh, or 
consumers, of course, that's where the numbers go up to the millions that are using financial services. We would have that feeling of actually I'm paying for this service. So I expect that this is taking place. Whereas I think now we just assume that it's some overlord of finance that's doing it. Whereas if we understood the different brands behind it, we might have more questions. Who is this? Are they regulated? Whereas I think that doesn't really fall into the psyche of most end users of financial services at the moment. moment. Whereas if we understood that, it's almost like the Advertising Standards Authority, that's quite well known amongst consumers and small businesses because we see that we're paying for things or being given things that we are, but we don't see that with financial services. I think there'd be more question around and more support for regulators, if that makes sense. Yes, definitely, because you raised the very good point, which is not only it's a commodity, but it's for free. We expect it to be for free. Yeah. But then if we were paying for it, we would start seeing all the value that goes behind it. Maybe understand even the, how the industry works. And it's like, oh, like they have to pay for yeah. all this infrastructure. Of course, customers don't need to understand all of that. But at least, yes, understand that there is a whole industry with a lot of cost behind it. Exactly. And it's not a, f- a conversation that your friends thank you for over a drink over at the dinner table. I've tried a few times <laughs> when somebody said, oh, I'm so annoyed. My Amex didn't put a transaction through and I was furious. And you start to talk about why that happened or why that matters or why they were being cautious or protecting you. And then it just does never goes down well. So I'm going to step back a little bit. And then coming back to trust, if we were to distill all this conversation, what do you think is the secret to building trust with customers? I want to answer, try to answer that without repeating myself. I think it's about delivering to your promises. And I don't want it to be sound so simple, mm. but it is. It's about delivering to your promises or your commitments and being open and honest about your journey and being pre- present and being there. And I still think there's a lot to be said for investing in the human face of things, which I know right now we're going through the AI revolution and there's a lot of questions, concerns, a lot of debate. But from the point of view of brand building, there's still a lot to be said for leaders and leaders come and go, and, but, and that's fine. Everybody knows that, but I think having visible leadership and accessible leadership and in in a brand in a b2b brand also is important i think it's not a secret source building trust i do believe it's delivering on setting out your purpose delivering to that talking about how you've delivered to that and being visible and consistent across multiple touch points where you know your customers reside whether they prefer to read magazines, whether they prefer to get all their information on LinkedIn, whether they trust podcasts, whether they go to trade shows, events, is making sure that you show up for them, showing up for your customers. Basically, you were saying there is no secret sauce, but as you were saying that, I was like, yeah, but there's a recipe. Basically, you just gave us the the things that you need to be doing. And I want to add to that or more like 
not challenge that, but it's more like put that into practice. When it comes to blockchain, Web3, crypto, AI, all the emerging technologies that even people within the industry were still like, uh, uh, not a hundred percent sure. Yeah. What are the challenges that you think will have to build trust around these new set of fintechs or these new products or technologies? I think the biggest challenge for all of those, and I do feel slightly differently about all of them. I won't look, lump them together, but I do think the biggest challenge for all of those you mentioned is the fact that they genuinely probably haven't earned trust yet or had the opportunity to earn trust. I mean, we've talked a little bit about how trust can't be born overnight and you have to put the effort in, really. And it's an, an old phrase, but I think they haven't had the opportunity to earn trust yet. And particularly when it comes to decentralized finance and technology around that that industry, it's challenging. That trust and that credibility is being challenged almost on a daily basis, whether that be in Netflix series, whether that be in chat rooms and forums, whether that be in news about the market. That is a challenge. That is a challenge. And we do work in, in that sector and we're taking each um, individual organization on, on its own merit. It's still a super new sector and it's got challenges and, and it's not, it's a multifaceted sector that's still quite dependent on individuals and characters and personalities behind some of the biggest brands. And it's in its infancy there and there's been as much to discredit the value and the trust as there has been to build it. And I think, yeah. I do think that, I think we all, we do all agree on that. And I think that nobody disagrees on the potential of some of the new technology, but I think people are uncertain on how that's perhaps being applied and how consistently that's being applied and for what purpose, who's benefiting. So I do think that's going to be a challenge for the next few years. And it's not easy to PR either. Definitely. But I think the advice there is the same. It's be consistent, be transparent, set out what you're going to do, deliver to that. PR, PR something I always say is PR isn't just about what you say. We can talk about great things. PR is famous for spin and putting positive emphasis on certain things. But to all our clients, we say you have to do the positive things too. If you want genuinely good PR, you can't just talk about yourself and the great things. You have to live up to those as well. You have to take the steps to support the messaging. And that's when it becomes really powerful. I think the same as has to happen in those verticals that you discussed. It has to be given a bit of time. Yeah. There's going to be failures and there's going to be more Netflix documentaries because it's interesting. So it's a, so well, yeah, I think it's patience, consistency, delivering. It's not good enough anymore to say DeFi promotes financial inclusion and growth in emerging markets. Yes, it has that potential, but we need more genuine examples and use cases of that. And of course that differs. The application of those technologies differs greatly in different parts of the world as well, where the need is greater. So, for example, 
Latin, Latin America or Southern America, South America, there's a lot more obvious applications of these. So DeFi or you know, stable coins and things like that is more obvious. So I think we need to focus on the right technology for the right need in the right place. And we'll see those yeah. use cases coming through. And like you said, it's about also having evidence, not just talking, but having evidence that it's working and having the use cases and it will take time, I think. Yeah. And I think PR has always been, I'm not going to try and remember on a Monday morning, but obviously PR is known, is most powerful when it's other people that are endorsing your business for you, whether that be journalists, people like yourself, the Finfluencers, as we've as they're becoming to known or even large independent organizations or the regulators, if, if emerging technologies, they want the backing of the trusted organizations and brands and some of the big brands, whether it be the World Bank or governments, we, we, that'll help to endorse the value. Definitely. Yes. As you talk about that, I was just thinking trust and change and purpose and evidence. And of course, one of the things that we as a community in fintech are working towards to is to be more inclusive, to have more diversity. Which practical actions can we take to improve that diversity? Because I think it comes back to trust as well. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think we're all learning every day. And I think there's been a number of I guess, observations of mine over the last 12 months that have mean, you know, meant I've had to alter my thinking. And I think it's about making no assumptions and every, every organization, whether you're a large established organization with years behind you of company values and millions spent on ads and best practices, or you're a new business just putting together your careers page and your, your D&I policies. Always assume you're starting from nowhere and review those practices and policies and values on it almost with the passion of its day one and making sure that you're not making assumptions about things. It's hard to, I'm just going to put it in the right words. We're an international industry and that is, we're all, we shy away from the word global because people feel you have to then be in every country. Let's be honest, financial services, fintech, yeah. we're a global industry and the needs, the requirements, the understanding, the education across the globe varies greatly. The landscape is huge and diverse. And I think you have to, we do need to take a role in le of leadership. And especially if you're building a multinational organization, it's highly important that you, your policies, your procedures, your practices cater to that, especially when it comes to diversity inclusion. And I think it's not something to be paid lip service to. I think being open, publishing your values, putting on them. Like on repeat now, aren't I? I think I'm, I'm saying, you know, <laughs> but I'm, I'm not, it's not meant to be. What do they say? Say but, five different ways in seven different locations. But no, I do think it's about starting from a very genuine place of having diversity and inclusion yeah. values, procedures and policies that are informed 
uh, supported and backed up and taken seriously mm. and then publish them and act on them um, and treat it's it, if you're like a fintech you have to be you have to have a global mindset it can't just apply to yeah. your home country or um, and there's there's different levels of education understanding social issues and understanding and we need to take that seriously but we need to be more visible about it, it has Definitely. to be on your website it has to be because then we can be accountable, can't we? If if things are not public, then who's holding who accountable? If if we're prepared to be public about that, I like that as I like that as a kind of like the one thing that we can change. In addition to everything that's going on, it's be accountable, publish the progress or the lack of progress and the challenges yeah. and the wins, yeah. because then it makes us accountable. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. as we move towards the end of the episode. And talking about diversity, there's a lot of women in the industry as such that they, at least they come to me and they probably, they come to you as well. And they ask, Hey, how do I build my personal brand? And so as a PR expert, what do you think fintech professionals should be doing to build their personal brand? And what is the personal brand? I think there's a lot of, firstly, I wanted to say, I think there's a lot of pressure on professionals within the fintech industry to be you have a strong personal brand or to be a personality or to be a mm. influencer and I'm not keen on that word but I can't stop saying it at the moment it's like my pet word yeah. <laughs> there is pressure on individuals now to feel if you're not speaking at events if you're not doing something outside of your day-to-day -day role if you're not um, part of groups or demonstrating uh, your values as an individual supporting certain themes that you're not adding value. So I would say that your personal brand is everything from how your colleagues see you to appearing on podcasts like this. It's a whole range and it has to be very genuine and personal to you. I have spoken with a lot of people, especially in the last 12 to 18 months that have felt that pressure to build personal brands. Uh, and it has people taking LinkedIn breaks and things like that. So I do want to say that I think you can still be fantastic in your career and still add value and you don't have to be a personality, but your personal brand, of course, is something that will assist you, create opportunities, help demonstrate your skills, your values, your achievements. And it becomes almost like your thumbprint. It becomes like your professional identity. And now we have these channels to be able to do that. I think that's a positive thing. I think the best thing you can do is to decide if that's something you want to do and once you decide yes I think starting to build my personal brand is something that's going to help me get to where I want to go in my career and something I might enjoy then you need to be really clear on setting aside time to do it because it isn't it isn't easy and it does take time to prepare to post to do things well to engage and I know that I've started to think oh I'm going to post regularly I'm going to comment on this these are the things I care about and then you get wiped out because you're too busy or you're you can't engage it, it becomes a pressure so I think going back to my, my mantra about being consistent the first thing to do is to set yourself if you're going to do anything and you're going to do it well set yourself aside some time to do it do it properly decide what you're going to do is it going to be LinkedIn. Are you just going to start by being regular on LinkedIn? 
that's the case, what are the things that you want to talk about? What are the things you want to follow? Which are the groups you want to join? What are the topics that you've got value to add to? As opposed to just, I'm going to, this week, I'm going to talk about trust. This week, I'm going to talk about diversity. Next week, I'm going to talk about fraud. Then I'm going to go off here and go that. What are the things that you want to invest your time and be associated to that matter to you? And then I, it's hard when it's just one person, but if you're not working with an agency, there are still individuals that are there to help you and, and support you in terms of the things you need to appear to nobody. We can't lie. It's competitive. So if you want things like high quality audio, you want graphics, you want good photos, good imagery. There are a lot of um, individuals outside of agencies that, that are there that are affordable to help put that stake in the ground in terms of quality because you'll know Monica you're creating something today's present guests accepted of high quality content and some and the effort that goes into that so I think once you know that you want a personal brands to be visible what things are that you care about why you're building your brands it is important to think about how that then appears and what you're prepared to invest in it because we're not in a world anymore where you can just be disruptive and, and go online and, and then you'll get a cult following. You know, we are in a highly competitive digital environment and you want to look professional, to look good, to have the right images, the right graphics, the right logos, the right sounds. So I think seriously take to think about it, but definitely the first steps are to decide you're committed to having a strong personal brand the things that matter to you the things you want to talk about and the time you can set aside to do that again there's no magic source for I, it no and i think that's key a lot of people underestimate the amount that it takes to post regularly on linkedin because like you say it's like oh yeah i'll post about these and these but it's takes time to be able to shift them in your mind like what you're going to talk about you don't want to just say anything yes no be relevant as well it so does. it does take time and i have heard uh, you know there, there are funnily enough i was just in the hairdressers yesterday and it's a well-known uh, uh brand within the space and they were talking those two uh, <laughs> two ladies there who were talking about one of their colleagues who had been engaging in conversations around something slightly controversial not horrendously but yeah it was divisive and they were doing that in the public arena, knowing that they were listed as an employee of this brand on their social channel. And then the salon received some uh, calls and things like that. So not to be negative, but just to be aware that if you are operating within social or public domain, and it is largely professional, you're there in your professional capacity, that, that nowadays that is something to consider managing as well, because there's definitely been examples especially there's some really great examples when it comes to third-party organizations that support the government that have been made a comment on something and it's been found and a journalist has then found that that's the person and then uncovered it and then gone into more detail looked on there so i would say it's also something once you start to build your reputation you also want to be keen and just be aware you have to do something as if, as if anyone could see it not yes, to be negative there's a lot about public relations that is protecting your reputation as well as building it. It's been an amazing conversation. 
Where can we find more about you and Skypart? You can on, on our, our LinkedIn page, on our LinkedIn channels, or Kimberly Waldron or Skyparlor, or you can contact us directly, info at skyparlor.com. We are usually at the main trade shows and events this week alone at three. So yeah, we're at all the major trade shows and events wow. between now and the end of the year as well. But we're, we're here. You can just call us, DM us. <laughs> Great time to be thinking about PR them. as well. Yes. And then just as a very last question before we go, if you could change one thing in fintech to make fintech better and have positive impact in customers, colleagues, and investors, what would that be? Just one. Just one. Oh, I'd like us to focus on what value we're really in. I'd like to look at the industry with without roasting to glasses, get rid of the echo chamber. And as I said, going full circle, really focus on getting things back to the end users. So I would take all of the funding out and look at what stands on its own two feet. Just for a day, thought of it's almost like draining the ocean, I drain the ocean of investment and funding and just look at what's really making a difference and all have that perspective for a day so we can then focus on more of that moving forward. That's a dream. That's not going to happen. But it's a very strategic approach. It's do not focus on, not the noise because it's noise, but do not focus on the funding. Yeah. Look really at what we're doing and if it's having impact in isolation. Yeah. Yeah. I like yeah, that. So we focus on that well, moving forward. Yes. Kimberly, it's been an absolute pleasure having you in the Likewise. show. Thank you so much. No, thank you. Thank it's you. Been great. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you, everyone. See you next bye. week. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. Your time and energy means a lot. If you want to support the show, remember to give it a follow and DM me to get in touch. I promise I do respond.